welcome, welcome everyone to another episode on the Prismatic Academy podcast. I'm Chrissy Marie, and today I'm sharing a casual and candid conversation with Action Drone CEO, upcoming TEDx speaker, and my friend, Daryl Annunciado. You know me, I'm a fan of smart, honest, and vulnerable conversation, and this one checks all of the boxes across a variety of important topics, like how to establish and weigh competing priorities, eliminating external distractions, the complexities around finding your passion and purpose, and of course, where to find the best ice cream in San Diego. Daryl is a gem, and I loved hearing about the journey he took to uncover and share the understandings from his experiences, and I know you will too. So let's get right into it. Here's episode 20, The Uncomplicated Course of Action, with Daryl Annunciato. You know what's on my mind today that I like can't get off my mind? It's that what? you're gonna think it's dumb. <laughs> I've been thinking about like the best ice cream spot in San Diego. So you've been here for twenty plus years. What's yours? Yeah. Um the one in Old Town. Uh it's not really ice cream, it's uh, gelato. Uh-huh. So it's it's right next to um right next to what's that Thai it's a, there's a Thai restaurant Saffron? and there's a British pub. Yeah, there, there's a gelato place mm-hmm. there. It's yeah. by far my favorite. I know what you're um, talking about. <laughs> yeah. I try not to go as much because um, I end up like overeating there. Mm-hmm. And yeah, but it's so good. And, and I'm so stupid because, and then I end up like just going to McDonald's to <laughs> cut my craving, which is really dumb because it's not even ice cream. Yeah. But, <laughs> but it's a dollar. So. <laughs> what about you? I mean, where where do you get your ice cream? Oh, you know what? I always always have a craving for this place in Imperial Beach. It's Oasis Ice Cream. Have you been there? Oasis Ice Cream. I'm about yeah. to go there. Yeah, it's probably the it's by far the best, and it's still like it's small little hole in the wall, like very old shopping center. And my parents, you know, went there when they were kids, and I went there when I was a kid, and it's still cash only. Um, yeah <laughs> that sounds cool yeah totally well, I swear like the best places are in Imperial Beach like the best donut shop or in cinnamon rolls I can't yeah I, I yeah I live so far now I used I to know. live in it was IB was so easy for me to get to yeah but once we moved to Chula Vista it's like mm-hmm. not really like the true like area where you could really experience a lot of the San Diego feel, you know, so I kind of miss out living in Point Loma. So I, yeah, you know, I don't know if I'll be able to afford going, going back there. It's expensive, (laughs) you know. Chilovis is so nice though. I like it, but you're right. It is kind of like a little bubble. My sister actually lives out there, so I'm I'm there uh, pretty often. Really? Mm -hmm. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, Anything interesting happened to you within the past seven days? Um, not much. I've been really just getting busy because there was an added, like, uh, not workload, but um, I didn't know how much work TEDx actually puts on you to, mm-hmm. to get prepared. Yeah. And so I'm doing a lot of stuff, learning, 
you know, getting my pilot's license, running a business, um, making sure that I'm still a good husband. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, a lot of that stuff, and then you add on a little bit more. Um, so I'm kind of at that limit, you know. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, this is my limit of how much I can do. And uh, basically what TEDx does is that they just constantly prepare you and make sure that you actually are prepared when you get on that stage. Oh. And so that's kind of what's been preoccupying my my time. Mm-hmm. And I actually cut out traveling for work so that I could really uh, focus on things that I really need to do. Mm. That's great. And you know what? I think that those are challenges that every entrepreneur, business owner, person who's doing amazing things has to do. You have to weigh in your priorities. What's that process yeah. looking like for you? Um, it, it used to be really um, confusing for me. Uh, before I even started a, a business, my priorities were really weird. You know, it's <laughs> like it was how my image looked or what kind of car I drive, the clothes I wear and mm-hmm. all that stuff, right? That, that used to be my priority. And then I would end up um, really trying to focus on getting the things that I wanted so that I could impress people. Um, now it's a whole different story um ever since uh basically i got sick and then um you know i I recovered from it and then but basically when when that happened you start getting a clear idea of exactly what your priorities are because at that moment um you kind of start thinking it's like hey you know what i only want to be with um i you know i want to see my mom i want to see my brothers you know I'm, i'm glad my wife's here and and that becomes like the reality of what should be your priority. And so now I, I base it on that. You know, it's like uh, when when I have to set schedules and things like that, I know my business is important. But if, if I have to cut out a lot of my real priorities, which is like my family, my wife, my brothers, you know, my cousins and all that stuff, then, then I start questioning it. And then so most of the time, I create a list of what I should do based on things that actually would make me happy. So that that's how I manage, which mm-hmm. is kind of weird. Like, you know, cause most of, I guess, business people would probably want to like, Hey, prioritize, uh, you know, where I can make the most money or how I can make the most money. Mm-hmm. So it's a different take, but totally. it, it works for me. Yeah, and you know what? I think that that's probably one of the, it's so counterintuitive, but it's definitely one of the, best lessons a business owner can learn is like what is really essential and also centering priorities around joy because you actually tend to be way more productive and you know when you're happier you know more things open up more opportunities open up yeah that is actually true i mean the less stressed you are um the more relaxed you are the more productive you are Mm -hmm. and then the more creative you are and so most of the time i'm actually like I have this habit now of making sure that I have a recorder with me because mm-hmm. the, the ideas that come out um, is when I'm actually not trying to do work. You know, it's the most random time. So like my my watch actually has a recorder so mm-hmm. that when I'm like, I don't know, taking a shower and I'm singing about something and then something pops up, I just, you know. Hey, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> this is a good idea. I mean, I, I wasn't going to use the shower as an example. Mm-hmm. But usually it's like when I'm, you know, uh, playing video games sure. or something. No, that's such a great idea. 
Um, I'm still very much an analog person, but I won't always do it, you know, because you don't always have like a pen and paper available. And then I always have this fear I have to dedicate so much mental energy to making sure that I remember, you know, the the thought that entered my mind or something that I want to write or record about. Yeah, I've had those instances where I had a good idea and I didn't have anything right. And I mean, I'm still pretty analog. Like, I, you uh, know, I still have yeah. my notebook. I mean, but um, I try to have backups of backups. So. Yeah. Cool. Well, what's going on in your business currently? What are you working on? Um, so right now, uh, we're actually um, – oh, sorry. Let me shut that off. Okay. Um, so right now we're actually doing a lot of uh, integration of drones. Mm -hmm. So um, we work with the county of San Diego, the city of San Diego, and then some local police departments. And then our goal is to integrate drones into the airspace safely. Um, and that's why I'm also um, flying real airplanes so mm -hmm. that I could actually figure out a way to, to connect um, the, our, our training program so it can connect with the uh, actual pilots that are flying airplanes out there because our aircraft, um, we have the ability to fly where the big airplanes are. And so we want to make sure that we actually um, do it safely and properly because um, I never thought I'd be doing this. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's, it's a little, it's a little tough because I, my idea of when I started this business was just to have fun and, and, you know, play with toys. But now I'm playing with toys that uh, can, you know, that affect people's lives. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that that's, I love that you said that because, you know, where you initially started, you were following a passion and interest and something that you just wanted to be fun. How did it grow and develop into, you know, this big work with the city? Well, um, to just kind of go back when, when the company started, we, um, I was I was actually still working for a property management job. I this is like totally not even in my background of mm -hmm. my previous schools or anything like that. So I just kind of did it as a hobby, mm -hmm. and so I was pretty much bored out of my mind from my other job mm -hmm. um, because it was it was getting really too easy for me. Mm -hmm. And so my spare time, I would start building um, airplanes, and then. Um, what ended up happening was GoPro one came out and then I attached that to an airplane and then I actually flew that. Um, You're one of the pioneers I, for, for cameras on drones. <laughs> uh, I would, I would say I'm, um, I'm a pioneer because what I did was, um, I followed people around the world that mm -hmm. have done something similar. Yeah. Uh, what I did do was, um, I combined both social media as a way to, to market what I've done. Mm -hmm. and I've ended up growing a bunch of followers that wanted to buy our product. And so, and it's funny because the person that I actually followed and developed this um, drone industry, he ended up becoming like a multimillionaire mm -hmm. and we're friends now. And, and, you know, we actually go out and fly real airplanes and, uh, and we're actually in development of a new business um, ideas and mm -hmm. new business projects. But from going back to that, we we, I wasn't really um, thinking of starting a business. It wasn't that wasn't the intent. Mm -hmm. What ended up happening was that social media uh, was such an easy way to 
put an outlet out to see to let people know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. But because I my social media presence was on Facebook and YouTube, I my goal wasn't to like um, show anything that I was you know what I bought. Like uh, it, it was cut. It was, I've already had a shift in my in life. Mm-hmm. This was after I was already. Uh, better from you know pulmonary embolism i stopped caring about the things that i did and i started caring more about uh, or the things that i bought but i started caring more about the things that i love to do and so when i showed people on social media what i love to do which was flying airplanes and drones uh, people wanted to kind of do the same exact thing but they didn't have any direction of how to do it and so i started helping people um how to build their own drones and then eventually, uh, my wife basically said, why don't you just sell them? And so that's how the company started. And so I, I ended up taking a $3,000 credit card uh, from American Express. And then I used that to buy my first set of materials to build for other people. And I was able to build five drones. And then I sold that within a week. And then that 3000 went to become a $15,000 um, investment and I just returned that to buy more materials and, and it slowly growed from from there six years down the line um, it's the same concept you know you had individual people asking me to build them drones and mm-hmm. how to build them drones and, and right now it's in corporations and government entities asking me um, how to integrate drones and how to build drones their own drones into the airspace that they need to use it for and usually it's industrial work um, and so what I, what I end up doing is, uh, really growing from there, understanding, um, what other sciences are there that can actually use drones, um, for good. And so that's mm-hmm. how the company evolved into what it is now. That's so cool. You know, I, I like the progression of your experience to where you, you figured out your priorities and from there you were able to like discover your passions and then in sharing that, like having people respond to that and almost building like this community around a shared passion is super cool. What was, what was that like for you? Like when, when you're, when, cause you know how some people can be really passionate about something, but then the rest of the world is like, "Mm, okay, like you do that, but maybe not for us. But you yeah. had this passion to where everybody was like, oh, my God, that's so cool. And I went in on it. And you were actually the one to, like, introduce this new technology and this new hobby and interest to people and actually show them how they can, you know, experience it for themselves. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think that's what it is. Um, it's just, uh, you know, the power of actually showing that you truly care, right? Mm. I mean, there's a... There's a saying by um, Theodore Roosevelt, I think, said it, but he basically said, nobody cares what you know until they know that you really care. Oh, and cool. so those that I that always hit me pretty hard because um, before that, nobody cared about my car that I showed off or my clothes that I showed off. Nobody cared about what I said because the only thing I cared about was myself, mm-hmm. right? So when I shifted my mindset, And it was more of, I truly cared about the things that I like to do. But when they asked me what it was, I then truly cared about the things that they can do and to really care about what they uh, want to do to help them to really be able to do it. So when I shifted in that mindset, 
it was a whole different, um, um, basically, uh, communication between another person. Mm-hmm. You know, they they weren't thinking that I'm just there to really show what I have. They started thinking that I was really truly helping them, and I truly cared about what they did, and and that ended up becoming the essence of my company you know um Mm. and and it's a little difficult to explain um because majority of us um you know we are very self uh involved right because of of this society's hierarchy right Mm -hmm. i mean especially i don't know if it's um if if it's worse in, in the men's um situation where we tend to have to you know, try to climb the, the uh, society's ladder, right? Mm-hmm. Like who is able to do this and who is able to do that. Um, that's kind of why we get so self-involved and so selfish in, in doing things just for ourselves. But once I was able to to get out of that mindset and really just figure out if, if when somebody comes to me, if I could really just truly care for what they need, um, then it, it really changed my life. And so that's that's kind of uh, where where I'm at with that. Yeah, no, I get that. I think as I was listening to, you, um, I can I couldn't help but think I'm like, it takes a lot of courage to really care about something, you know, <laughs> not to not only for yourself to allow yourself to really care about something, but then also to share that. So I thought it was really great that your wife was there to to support you and really encourage you. But what was that? that process like for you um well it was it was you know not everyone gets really lucky that everyone has you know supportive um people around them and you know when when i started i had a few people that really did uh care about what i wanted to do and they were very supportive but i also had people that were very negative about it mm-hmm. and you know um, they would say why are you quitting your job you have a you have a stable job and you're going to do something that there is literally no job out there or job mm-hmm. description about it and so um for me i just gravitated towards that kind of um outside care too you know i i kind of made them my my village or my tribe mm-hmm. and it made it really easy for me to do that and then when you sh- reciprocally like show that to everyone else your tribe starts growing and starts growing and and, and, and it ends up becoming your support system mm-hmm. and to the point where um, your support system also starts uh, growing in itself and starts giving you good ideas and better ideas and they start helping you solve problems. And then, I mean, then that's actually how the, mm-hmm. the formula of our company grew. You know, majority, actually everyone in this company and also in our office in, in uh, Denmark, they're a bunch of people that were once customers and actually started um, really caring for what we were trying to do as a company and then they joined the company mm-hmm. so so that's that's the wild thing about you know having a good uh, caring support system you need to almost um, um, cultivate it right. because it's a gift that it's hard to to find mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, totally get that. And you know, like navigating through the negativity of people, that has to be hard because I'm sure that that 
you know, negativity came from people that you really care about and respect. So what did you do to yeah. com combat that and to, you know, trust yourself and really pursue your passion despite what other people uh, thought? I just ignored it. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, there's, oh, you know, if you look at social media and then you'll post something positive or somebody is positive, somebody will always try to put you down or bring you down or say something negative, you know. Um, and I actually don't get mad. I feel sorry for them. Mm -hmm. And I feel sorry for them because deep down inside, when I've actually looked at some of the people that are really mad about what I've done, or not mad, but mm -hmm. kind of like, very so very negative about it i've realized this because they're stuck at a point in life where they don't know how to get out of and so they tend to want to bring you down with them it's like that crab mentality mm -hmm. you know you put all the crabs into this bucket before you <laughs> cook them everyone just tries to pull each other down right. try to get out of that pot you know mm -hmm. that's exactly what what it is and so i just try to ignore it because i don't really need that kind of negative negative energy and so we we i just go on and i i do you know try to explain to them um the benefits of of having a um i mean I, they do point out some really tough stuff when i was when i started you know mm -hmm. when i started i literally um i would say like super poor from before mm -hmm. i was i was in banking i literally i cut my my pay and so such a low area that I couldn't really hang out with my friends and so they would point that out you know it's like why why are you doing what you're doing you can't even hang out with us anymore because you have mm -hmm. no money I was like yeah I mean I you know I I don't know why I'm doing what I'm doing <laughs> so, <laughs> but do I just really love what I do and so mm -hmm. um I just uh pushed forward and then mm -hmm. five years later it's a whole different ball game yeah, and you, I think it's the most amazing thing when your perspective changes and when you're able to cultivate more happiness when you stay within the parameters of priorities, right? Because, yeah. like, even though you couldn't hang out with your friends, you are still doing something that, like, made you feel fulfilled to where it's like, you know what, maybe I'd rather be broken, sit here and tinker with something than, you know, grabbing a beer on a Tuesday night. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's really true though, because you gotta also look at the people that you surround with, right? Mm -hmm. And then, so sometimes I was surrounded with people, you know, they say um, birds with the same feather flock together. Mm -hmm. I was surrounded with the same people that had my old mindset. Mm -hmm. And those were the same people that were very negative towards what I was doing. They basically said, you know, you know, you. I mean, I, I hated my conversations with them because it was like, hey, what's your next car you're going to mm, buy? Yeah. And I'm like, dude, I don't care. Like, are we still <laughs> you know, having uh, this conversation? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was getting really annoying because that was my mindset mm. back in the banking days. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, what kind of suit is this? You know, what's your handbag? I was like, I'm like, dude, what, what do you mean handbag? Mm. But you know what I mean? Like, that was their conversation. And so it didn't really, I didn't feel like I, 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 um, you know, lost anything. I felt like I'm. I was actually shedding mm -hmm. um, something out of my life that wasn't necessary anymore. And I would. I mean, some of them. I wish that they would just kind of rethink their their priorities and not more of the material things. Mm -hmm. But I can't lecture that because you know it's 
it's not my right to do so. And so what I've done is and ended up, you know, finding friends that are a little bit more grounded, um, mm-hmm. that have more priorities in line with what I have. And I actually enjoy going out and we tend to just be, you know, doing chill stuff, which mm-hmm. I really like to do. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you said that, um, about how, you know, you wish that people would make different choices, but that's actually a part of your story too, right? About how it kind of had like this winding journey and each piece of it was necessary. Yes. And and that's actually why I'm trying to voice out a little bit more, Mm -hmm. um, to talk about it because I don't want to preach in regards to like telling somebody or, um, you know, you know, it's not easy trying to lecture somebody. I, I feel like I don't have the right to do that. But if I tell my story on how um, changing your 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 perspective and your and your priorities to have a more meaningful priorities it will actually change your life. It, once I tell more of that story, I'm hoping that it would actually you you know trigger something from mm-hmm. people that they would start looking at it um, and make gradual steps to to be able to change it. And and the way I I ask people on how to actually do that is I ask them simple stuff like, what's the last thing you bought, you know? And um, so the last person I actually asked that was was a friend of mine. And then she was like, well, I bought this, you know, uh, Louis Vuitton, or I don't even know how to pronounce Mm -hmm. that, LV. Right. And I was like, damn, that's that's an expensive bag. Right. And mm-hmm. so I asked her, why, why did you buy that? And she goes, because I, I love it. And I was like, all right, you love it. Why do you love it? And um, it got to the point where, um, you know, she was being honest and it was basically like, you know, my work, all the all the a lot of the employees there, you know, they dress really nice and mm-hmm. they carry fancy bags so that it shows uh, to others that she's also doing well at work Mm -hmm. and so in in my head I was like well you know it's like I I can't really tell you but if you bought that bag does that actually equate to you doing well at work or it just tells people that you kind of deceive people that Mm -hmm. you might be doing well at work or not you know Mm -hmm. and so uh, at some point I didn't really go further after that but that's I'm hoping that somehow, you know, she'll start thinking that, okay, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe the real reason I should be doing, I, I, people should look at me that I'm doing well at work is to actually do well at work. Mm-hmm. And, and if your work, if you actually don't like your work, that's the reason why you're not doing well at work. And so um, you need to start digging deeper and where you need to find to uh, actually do things that you actually care because once you do that, you will do well and mm-hmm. because you just love it, you obsess with it. And so I was kind of hoping that she would start understanding that because I, I knew deep down inside she didn't like her work or she doesn't like her work and she just, she's been dying to quit, but yet she's putting herself in a deeper situation by spending the money so that she could look like she's doing well at work, which is, you see what I mean? Like the mm-hmm. dilemma uh, on, on how that uh, puts people in, in, in this, um, prison. Right. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, 
I love that you asked that question because I do think that a lot of the time our actions really aren't in alignment with our goals and we do we have a lot of counterintuitive behaviors that you know are very invested in not having us change and it's crazy yes. because I think a lot of us really dream about you know standing out or pursuing our passion or being happy like truly happy and yeah. yet like what what we're doing is maintaining our status quo and I think that how we spend money is definitely a really good indicator of where we're at with that. Yes. And maintaining that status quo, the longer you try to do it, the harder mm -hmm. it is to reverse, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, uh, when I was in, in banking, my a lot of my friends bought homes that were way too much for them. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, some of my friends were like single living in like a 3,000 uh, 3, square foot home. And I'm like, why, why, <laughs> why did you do that? You know, and then they would buy um, Mercedes or Porsches uh, and just expensive cars. And mm -hmm. it, it actually freaked me out. You know, I was like, holy crap, do I have to do that too? You know, I was yeah. young, I was like 24. So I was like, should I do that? I, I actually started mm -hmm. looking to purchase a home and I'm like, no, dude, I, I, I can't do this because if I, if I do this, this industry better be permanent or this type of financial flow better be permanent or it better grow, uh, you know, and double mm -hmm. within a few years because I can't sustain this kind of lifestyle. And so what ends up happening is if, if your money or the type of income that you have is fixed, right, and, and what ends up happening is that you've, you've tried to sustain your lifestyle or your image for so long that you've maxed out your fixed income, you, you, there, it's really difficult for people to reverse um, where they're coming from so that they could actually pursue the things that they want. Because that if you are, um, so what I, I tell people is like, once you're mm -hmm. actually imprisoned by your own doing, um, your financial traps, right? Mm -hmm. you, once you're in there, it's really difficult for you to get out. And then you're going to be stuck there for the rest of your lives unless you find a way to do it. Yeah. And so I, I do hope, um, you know, a lot of the younger generation, the next generations can, can see that before they actually trap themselves into it, you know? Totally. Well, I mean, unfortunately, I don't think a, a lot of younger generations are even being exposed to any of this you know it's definitely a consumer mindset i think when it comes to the socio-cultural values but i like what you said about how you know like almost with your your actions and behaviors when they're not in alignment with your priorities or what you really care about you're you're building a prison for you but what is your advice when it comes to building in more flexibility for things that you love um so I've actually, I rarely gave this advice because mm -hmm. I, I, I don't know if I'm qualified to mm -hmm. give this advice. Maybe just the process but, that you took. Uh, when, when they're a lot younger, maybe mm -hmm. new, to, new to like, you know, the workforce, um, just recently graduated or uh, they don't have any obligations yet. Mm -hmm. I, I always say, you know, keep it that way. You know, I, <laughs> keep, I honestly, yeah. like, you know, minimize as much as you can, you know. Um, so what I did to actually be able to get out of my my issue was, hey, I basically asked um, my parents mm -hmm. and say, hey, can, can you help me? And then I asked my in-laws, um, my, uh, my wife's uh, parents, hey, can you help us so that we can get out of uh, 
our situation because mm -hmm. it would have been really impossible for me to do that on my own. Mm -hmm. And so it it's really hard for me to even talk about this because one of the most difficult things to say as, as a as a man is, you know, it's like, hey, can you help me? You know, it's like mm -hmm. us men don't need help. But um, in reality, if I didn't ask for help, I would still be trapped in my own financial um, my own financial doing. Mm -hmm. And so um, thankfully to my parents and my parents-in-laws, they, they helped us out. And um, what I truly advise is if you have any means to get help, do it. Um, but then don't go back and revert to doing things to, you know, please others, you know, mm -hmm. start trying to do things that you actually like. Don't think of, don't try to do things to make money because later on you'll figure out what you like to do. And somehow, some other ways, whatever it is that you're going to do, for some reason, others will actually end up liking it. Mm -hmm. And that equates to people wanting to buy your stuff. So mm -hmm. if you look at, like, you know, the stories of these awesome companies that started, uh, for example, GoPro, right? Um, mm -hmm. The GoPro company, they basically, the dude just, just said, hey, I want to capture the my adventures. And so he built his own miniature camera. Mm -hmm. And you know, it wasn't for business. It was just for some regular hobby that he was doing. And then it eventually evolved into a business. And so that's what I tell people, you know, start from the core root of your problem, which is if you're in financial prison, try to get out of it, try to get help, whatever it is. Or if you're not in it yet, don't, don't go to it. Don't develop <laughs> don't, that don't, name. Don't get by, by marketing, you know. And then totally. if you have that freedom, um, if once you get that freedom to do whatever you want, try to do things that is not um, for the pleasure of others or to make yourself look good for others. Just try to do things that you actually really enjoy. And who cares if you don't find a way to make money out of it? Um, mm. It doesn't matter. Somehow, somewhere, it's going to happen. Yeah. It sounds like a lot of the cornerstones of success at least in, in this conversation, have to do with self-awareness, like cultivating it, a lot of self-awareness. And it, it is. It, it's basically self-awareness. Um, I, I didn't even know about self-awareness stuff or what I was talking about until – because I have to go through this TEDx coaching, mm -hmm. and, and my coach basically said, hey, your message is all about self-awareness. Yeah, I was like, totally. oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, is that what it is? <laughs> Yeah, and also, yeah. I, like, many facets of self-awareness. Like, um, I would say not giving in to shame because I have a similar story. Like, I totally asked my parents for help, <laughs> you know, when when I was, like, way in over my head and I was trying to maintain a lifestyle that I couldn't anymore. And, you know, like, asking for, for that help, it sucked. But, you know, receiving it and then minimizing things, oh, my God, I am so much happier happier and now that's just like not something I have to worry about and I don't have to dedicate like time or resources or energy like right. energy in any form like mental emotional nothing like that I love not having that on my plate so I think that yeah like having that self-awareness and even hitting a wall but accepting it and learning from it is really powerful 
Yes. And, and, and it's unfortunate mm-hmm. that not a lot of people can do that. You know, mm-hmm. it's, they have so much pride or whatever. It's, it's kind of yeah. weird because now I'm like super proud to be thankful for my 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 father and my mother-in-law mm-hmm. and my mom and dad, you know, for, for really helping us out. Because if it wasn't for, for mm-hmm. them, it, there's just no way, no way I could, we could do what we're doing now. Mm-hmm. And, and, and just to be, you know, that point in time where I said, um, do I, even when I asked for help, I was still um, denying the fact that I asked for help, you know, Cause, mm-hmm. and I, I knew I was doing that because when friends would ask me what I was doing, I would twist the fact that, you know, my, my in-laws and my parents were helping me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now I'm a little bit more <laughs> open about too. it, which is liberating. Yeah. I call my parents my roommates. <laughs> <laughs> because it is it's it's painful I think when when you reach a point and you really have to like face your fear and then say it out loud and ask for help and I think that what people really don't expect but is probably more often the case at least in, in what I've heard and experienced for myself is people are more than willing to help especially if they're able to like yes. they're happy to help so I think it's more about like just getting past you <laughs> you know, getting getting past really that is. pride, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we we have massive egos, and mm-hmm. we tend to. You and the problem is, we tell so much of ourselves that are, are is not true. That you're trying to live that idea of yourself, yeah. and then that ends up becoming a kind of like a barrier to you be able being able to really do the right thing. Which is, if you need help, ask for help. You know, yeah. you know, if you want to do things that you want to do, do the things that you want to do, not for others. And most of the time, it's all just comes down to that ego factor, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's amazing what we would do to avoid fail- failure, you know, mm-hmm. like yeah. most people don't aren't making moves to be successful, but they will do whatever they can to avoid failure. Yes, it's a crazy mindset, right? Because they're totally different. You think I'm saying you? You think it sounds like the same thing, right? Like not making moves towards success, but avoiding failure. Like it, it keeps you. That's your prison, right there. That is your prison, mm-hmm. and, and and it sucks because we try to maintain. That's the status quo that people really try to maintain mm-hmm. to not look like they've failed or. Or whatever, and 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 it, I've seen people live through that for the rest of their lives, and and it sucks. And mm-hmm. you know, uh, I I don't wish that on anyone. It's it's really bad. Yeah, I agree. An unlived life. Unlived life. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like easy. it's like it's like a pet that lived in a cage yeah. their whole entire life. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I don't if, know if that's a good metaphor. <laughs> Yeah. Well, either way, it really sounds like if you're if you're not taking intentional steps towards things that you care about, then you are failing. Like I feel like there is no no in between that that it's one or the other. Yeah. Yeah. There's uh what I call the the you know, your imaginary life or mm-hmm. your not what do you call it, your manufactured life mm-hmm. or there's the true life that yeah, you can live. Totally. So Facebook highlight reel. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Um, Well, okay. So what about people who don't really know what they're passionate about? They haven't discovered it yet. Like what are, what are some of the steps that they can take to kind of uncover that or at least 
maybe be curious or pursue things that they might be interested in? Well, you know, I mean, this is just my theory, or I don't know, I haven't read enough about it, but um, I've had a lot of encounters with people who are like, well, I don't know what I want to do. I don't have a passion. I, you know, I just work. I go home. I, I go to work nine to six, come home around seven and then, you know, watch Game of Thrones and then go to sleep and do it again, right? And so what ends up happening is that people, um, when we're kids, we tend to have so many things that we like to do. Mm-hmm. We have an abundance of things that we like to do. In fact, we don't have enough time to do things that we like to do because there's not enough in the day that we, we have time to play because our parents would be like, hey, go to sleep. Mm-hmm. But what ends up happening is that we get enrolled in school and then we end up going into this track of how to become successful. And this track of this education track becomes our focus. And then we, we tend, because we want to succeed so much, we think that that's the formula of, of how to be educated in, in mm-hmm. life. We think that that's the formula on how you become successful in life. But what ends up happening is that we tend to end up losing our own passion or the things that we like to do. You know, we forget everything. And so by the time you graduate college, um, whatever, even high school, once you graduate high school or college, you're now just focused on on a career, mm. your job, and then they tend to forget their passions and because they don't, they don't play. And so what mm. I tell people is like, hey, look, if you can't figure out what you like to do, that means you haven't, you forgot what you've experienced or you haven't had enough experience to actually understand what you really want to do. And when I say experience, I'm talking about like, you know, the weirdest stuff, you know, mm-hmm. I, when I try to discover what I like to do, I did everything I could. I learned how to salsa dance, waltz, uh, then I learned how to scuba dive, um, I went snowboarding, I did a lot of traveling, I did medical missions, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? All these like weird, random things that don't connect to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and But at the end of it, I figured out what I ended up really wanting to do, not because I forced myself to to go look for it, but because I just, it's like, hey, let me experience as much as I can what life has to offer and somehow some way something will click that I actually end up liking doing mm-hmm. uh, that I would end up uh, liking and what ended up like what I ended up I looked at what I did in, and when I was a kid and I literally said hey I used to love you know breaking my toys and then putting them <laughs> back together into a yeah. different toy and I remember you know because a lot of when I started trying to recall um, what I loved to do when I was a kid, I just remember my my parents and my uncles that were giving me my gifts that they were not going to buy me a toy anymore because I would break it. And so I knew there was something there, you know. And, and uh-huh. then most of the time I built airplane stuff when I was a kid. And so I, I ended up combining the things that I really liked doing and uh, it became a passion and then eventually became a business. Mm. Yeah. I love that. I don't know why I keep forgetting that brilliant piece of advice. You know, like remembering what you did as a kid, like what used to bring you joy. Because that's, you know, you're in a natural state. You gravitate towards things that make you happy. You yes. Know, you don't have as many filters around you. And that's really the key word, filters. You know, I mean, um, we end up becoming, you know, going through a lot of filters that at some point the, the most important things that you actually like doing um, mm-hmm. 
you tend to forget about it. I mean, yeah. that's the same case with parents, you know, like when you're a kid, you're so enamored by your parents. You, mm-hmm. you look up to them, you, you, you respect them, you have so much gratitude and they become your support system. And then when you ask for something, you don't hesitate. Mm-hmm. Towards the end, because of so much filtering in our life, we tend to like, you know, just sometimes a lot of us don't even talk to our parents anymore. Sometimes a lot of us don't respect our parents. Sometimes a lot of us, for example, forget to ask for help from your parents because mm-hmm. it's already been embedded in our heads that, um, you know, what you did as a kid is not acceptable anymore when you're an adult. Mm-hmm. But that's completely not true. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, in, in my honest opinion, look at the history of your childhood, what made you happy if you had a good childhood, and then really kind of take advantage of that because there's so much information in there that you can extrapolate to what you're doing now that it would actually make sense for you to do it again. Mm-hmm. That's so true. I'm like smiling right now as I'm like reflecting on <laughs> things that I used to do <laughs> as a kid. But I, I also love how you're very intentional about discovering new passions. That's like a practice that I really like to do. You know, I even build it into the planning of, of my week or my month to, you know, do to reach out to one person that I respect from my past, like re- reconnect with somebody, but then also to intentionally engage in a new experience. So like you said, whether it's like salsa dancing or waltzing or learning two-step or, you know, or going to a tech coffee meetup, you know, like just, just to be there. Just tech to, coffee meetup. Yeah. I was like, you know what? I, I don't really know <laughs> anything about this, but I'm here to like observe and like meet people and see if I like it or not. You know, like really if that's just your basic intention is to experience something new. Um, yeah. I think that that's a great start. It, it is. Mm-hmm. And you, like I said, you know, you'll discover things you never know you actually like, you know, I mean, mm. I, there's so many things I do now at work, um, that I thought I would never like, but I end up really loving it. Um, mm. and for example, you know, making or editing videos for yeah. our company, I forced myself to actually be part of the marketing team because uh-huh. I actually really, truly enjoy editing videos, but who would have thought, you know, that mm-hmm. I was actually like doing that until I actually opened the software and, mm-hmm. and try to do it myself. That's so funny. I thought you were going to say payroll or something. <laughs> no, I don't think I'd ever. <laughs> yeah, I don't like. I don't like um, payroll. Or money or anything like that. I don't think I, honestly, anybody I don't even does. look at uh, our company's um, bank account because I just don't <laughs> want money to be a distraction to to what uh-huh. I do. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, let's wrap this up. I because I'm curious. I want yeah. to go back to passion and that cultivation of community and how you're sharing it with others. And I would love to know, you know, from your perspective, what you think draws people into a passion or why, why people are so passionate about drones. Well, um, for, for me, I don't think there's still a lot of, uh, or enough people that are actually into drones, but what I've seen so far the people that are into drones are into actually something else. Like mm-hmm. they are, um, like to give you an example, our first customer was an anthropologist uh, professor. Mm-hmm. And he followed me through Facebook because he thought that the drone technology was going to be able to solve 
his his mapping problems mm -hmm. and this this guy is from brazil so you know i mean like my first customer is a brazilian dude who found me through facebook and his passion was to actually preserve some uh, of the archaeological uh, dig sites in, in brazil before all this rain rainforests were mm -hmm. going to be um you know cut down or whatever so what he did was um he told me his story of how he can use it. And then in that point, I ended up um, uh, working with his passion in regards mm -hmm. to how I can solve it for him. So we ended up building a drone for him and then we sent it to Brazil and mm -hmm. he used it to create maps for it. And so people are passionate about it, not because of the drone technology itself, but because they've already had a passion for the careers that they have. Yeah. And they just combine drones with it. So. And it's really awesome because I get to experience some of the cool stuff that people really love to do. And that's why, to me, I see a, a difference in, in between people that are really passionate about their career or really love what they're doing versus the people that are just maintaining mm -hmm. a career. You know, you can see a huge difference. You know, you want, you see somebody who is super proactive about solving their problems or super proactive about creating new solutions, you know, or being mm -hmm. creative about how to work in their field and then you got somebody who talks about their job and how much they hate it and it's they can't wait till it's friday you know <laughs> those are the two different like yeah indicators mm -hmm. <laughs> totally oh my gosh <laughs> you said that a perfect way and you know what i i love that you said that because i was actually just having a chat just yesterday about drone technology and of course you know I like fishing and what it's doing yeah. for the fishing industry and it's it really is literally opening up a new perspective and opportunities this emerging technology across so many different industries you know like a yeah. window into something or a perspective that we've never been able to see before so yeah. I think it's really cool that you get to be a part of it and you and especially hear the stories of your clients and customers yeah maybe uh, someday I'll Build you a drone that takes your lure out like a hundred feet, so totally. you, or a thousand feet, so you have a good time, you know, bringing it back in. Yeah, you know, they they actually do that. They do that, and they find the fish, and I think it's incredible because I mean, like it it saves time and energy, but it also it's it changes the industry of fishing. Yeah, that, actually, mm -hmm. there's an inventor in Ocean Oceanside mm -hmm. that built. I was on a, on a TV show with him mm -hmm. called uh, "Make Me a Millionaire Inventor," yeah. and I I I help him now, and I I'm a consultant mm -hmm. to to his company mm -hmm. when he has uh, questions. But yeah, he he builds that drone mm -hmm. to to help fishing yeah. people. He's like, I can't cast really that cool. far, but yeah, I mean, it's really really unique because you can get into areas that that normally were before yeah. were inaccessible. Yeah. Uncharted territory. That is so cool. Yeah. I love yeah, that you're opening doors. It's, it's cool. I hope everyone gets there. <laughs> Absolutely. It's almost like you have this like Kyoto treasure map. It's amazing. It's very exciting. It's fun. It's fun. Cool. Thank you so much for your time. What else? Thank you, Daryl, so much for sharing your time and experience with us. I truly find conversations like this one to be so incredibly fulfilling, and I really appreciate the opportunity to learn from such a great community member like yourself.
I'm glad we got the opportunity to talk about essentialism and what it takes to be relentless in the pursuit of what thrills you. I think it's both a great and necessary action when one can reflect on and assess what truly matters to them, both in present time as well as from childhood, and I think it's important to do this kind of assessment often to make sure that your actions and how you're spending your time is in alignment with your goals and passions. As we learn from Daryl and I'm sure have also experienced in our own lives, structuring your success is not always easy. We have to be disciplined in order to get beyond our limitations, fears, and habits that keep us invested in complacency and prevent us from pursuing our goals. Maybe this means making compromises in your social life, in how you spend money, or perhaps even setting higher goals to achieve. But no matter what or how this will look like for you, I hope that we can all remember some of Daryl's wisdom when it comes to staying true to who you are and structuring a system around all that supports you. There's a quote that through the years still remains one of my favorites, and it was told to me way back in high school by my basketball coach. It goes like this. The most common differentiating factor between those who succeed and those who fail is that those who fail give up what they want most for what they want in the moment. So let me ask you this. What matters most to you? What are you deeply wanting to achieve and accomplish in your life? And what are the habits, behaviors, and decisions that are keeping you from all that you deeply desire? In every moment, you have the opportunity to close that gap, to eliminate the distractions and move closer to the best version of yourself that you yourself can be proud of. To close out this podcast, I just want to mention that Daryl is doing amazing things with drone technology, the government, and within the community. So I highly recommend that you check him out and learn about his fascinating company and work. I'll be sure to list his info on the prismaticlife.com under the show notes section. On May 25th, Daryl will be speaking at TEDx Chula Vista, and the event is all about complexity, and the conference will host open discussions and ideas that collectively push humanity forward. It's sure to be a good one, and info for that will also be on my page. As always, please like, share, and review. It really matters, and I love the feedback. With that, I wish you a great rest of your week, and until next time, cheers everyone! Cheers everyone!